from The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Tuesday, August 22. Coal still has a future, for now, in Victoria. The Loy Yang A coal-fired generator owned by AGL is bleeding money. But Dan Andrews' government has struck a deal to keep it running as the state tries to lead the transition to renewables. The boss of the NDIS review says the scheme is being treated like a magic pudding by governments, providers and recipients. Bruce Bonnyhady is investigating the scheme that's supposed to transform the lives of our neediest people. And he tells The Australian Today it's all very well to worry about the skyrocketing cost, but it hasn't stopped anyone from helping themselves. It's the baby boom that wasn't. China's birth rate has taken a drastic dive at Australian makers of infant formula are scrambling to preserve their place in a once thriving market. In today's episode, why young Chinese people are waiting longer to have babies and why that's such a big deal for Australia. China has decided to end its decades-long one-child policy. The Chinese Communist Party has announced that Chinese couples can have two children and that is a huge change. Well, now the world's most populous country has pulled a 180. From 1975 to 2016, Chinese families were allowed to have just one baby. The notorious one-child policy was an attempt by the governing Chinese Communist Party to drag the country away from overpopulation and into superpower status. It worked, or at least it was part of a suite of measures that worked. China's now the world's second largest economy after the US, and its booming middle class is the reason Australian exports like wine and seafood have done so well out of China. When the one-child policy ended, shares boomed in baby formula companies, and ads like this one for Aptimil hit Chinese TV screens as the world anticipated a Chinese baby boom. But it turned out things were a bit more complicated and the baby boom didn't happen. China's middle class has just exploded and with affluence, that creates a different level of priority. Jared Lynch is a business reporter with The Australian. So you get a whole heap of younger people who start prioritising their career, they end up having a heap of discretionary income and spend on other things, travel, the Chinese love going overseas on holidays, doing everything that every other middle class on earth does And a consequence of that is child rearing takes a back seat. So we start breeding less and that's what we're seeing play out in China. It turns out baby formula is a bit of a window into China as a whole and manufacturers have had a wild ride over the past few years. The latest twist is a steeply declining birth rate. In 2022 alone, the number of new births dropped by an astonishing 10%. Something we know about how countries gentrify is that the birth rate declines as women's opportunities for work and education grow. It's why Australia consistently struggles to get its birth rate anywhere near two children per woman. So not only did the baby boom not happen in China, now the birth rate is plummeting. That's a big deal for every company who does business with China and needs to plan for the future. One reason could be China's attempt to eliminate COVID-19. 
China have had some of the most aggressive lockdowns in the world. So no doubt that has played effect and there will be a COVID recovery sometime soon as people feel more comfortable going out and about, socialising, meeting a prospective partner and, you know, maybe doing the Fandango and having a couple of kids. That will happen in time, but at least in the medium term, it's going to take quite a while for that to recover. If your product is aimed at babies, this is a big deal. And there's plenty of Australian companies whose livelihood depends on China's enthusiasm for babies. To understand the whole white gold rush, as it's known colloquially, we'll have to rewind the clock back to 2008, where there was a domestic range of infant formula that was produced in China that was contaminated with melamine, which is a material used to create certain types of plastics. And the reason why it was contaminated was the Chinese manufacturers were trying to cheat protein level quality control tests. As China's tainted milk scandal spreads across the country, anxious parents are keeping local hospitals busy, making sure their infants haven't been affected by poisoned milk powder. Six babies died and an estimated 300,000 were poisoned. And that created an enormous level of distrust in locally produced infant formula. I mean, would you feed your baby knowing that six died and another 54,000 were in hospital? No parent on earth would do that. So that opened the door for a whole heap of foreign infant formulas to flood the Chinese market. And the Chinese customer is a lot more sophisticated than what those operators would think. I mean, just slapping a koala on a tin was not going to cut the mustard because they wanted to have what we were feeding our own kids. If you walk into many Australian grocers and pharmacies today, you'll see signs in the formula aisle about a limit on the number of tins that can be purchased. That's because of this. Last Sunday afternoon, the professional shoppers known as Diagoo make repeated return trips in and out of the store, their sights set only on one product. There must be a better way to fix the crisis over baby formula supply. Tin limits and security tags just aren't working. Shoppers are making a small fortune buying tins and selling them back to Asia. Over the past decade, there have been waves of reporting and some outrage as Chinese shoppers scooped up formula by the trolley load. It set the Facebook mums groups into a rage and it was reliable fodder for TV current affairs stories. But for the formula manufacturers, it was a dream. Companies like A2, Bubs, Bellamy's, even Blackmore's at one stage were rubbing their hands together with glee because they didn't have to invest millions in conventional distribution chains in China. And they had the greatest gift that anyone could have ever hoped for in marketing, which was word of mouth. And you were seeing them sell for astronomical prices. And so it was just money for jam for Australian formula producers. But then along came COVID and the music stopped. These companies, their profits just dropped, their share price just halved. It was carnage. And now as they've started to recover from that, we've now seen the Chinese parents put off child rearing. So it's really the icing on the cake of a perfect storm. It's thrills and spills for these companies. That phenomenon of Daigo taking tins of infant formula back to China did that happen to these companies or did they help to create that, Jared? Oh, they definitely facilitated it. And why wouldn't you? It was funny. The Daigus traditionally started off as Chinese students and tourists doing off their own bat. But then, like all markets, it evolved to become pseudo-corporate entities. They became really organised. And so there were companies that were buying up Australian stock, which the likes of A2, Bubs, Bellamy's, 
all of them were happy to facilitate and provide them with so they could continue to facilitate that trade because it was a lot cheaper for them to do that than to invest in the conventional distribution sales and marketing teams that are required when you go overseas. After the break, what this means for one of our most important exporters and why every part of the Australian economy could be affected. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. One of the biggest foreign success stories in the Chinese milk market is A2, a New Zealand-born company that specialises in dairy products designed for people who are intolerant to some of the proteins in traditional milk. The reason why we're talking about this today is that A2, which is a trans-Tasman company, released some great profit numbers on Monday, but its shares dropped dramatically because it warned the market it was concerned about China's declining birth rate. A2 has flagged that there'll be slower growth. They still expect to grow in China. And the reason how they expect that to happen is they're going to steal market share off some of the other foreign companies who haven't got what is known as the new GB registration, which is the registration that's required to be able to sell infant formula milk in China in what is known as general trade. So your bricks and mortar retailers, your supermarkets, your mother baby stores, et cetera, like that. They got their registration probably about six months or so ago. For example, Bubs doesn't have that registration yet. And it's expected that there won't be a lot who will receive that registration because China actually wants to whittle back the number of foreign infant formula companies selling infant formula into China as part of a way to, I guess, tame the market somewhat. I told you there were thrills and spills. China's government loves a bit of protectionism, and that's what's happening right now. In China at the moment, there's this whole made in China push. The Chinese are very proud of that, you know, buy made in China. And 16 years after we saw that Melanine scandal, we're starting to see the pendulum swing back more to local producers. But then when you talk to some people, there always will be a demand for overseas premium product. I mean, I guess it's the difference between drinking locally produced sparkling wine to, you know, shelling out and having a bottle of earth, you know. (laughs) So there will always be that demand for ultra-premium foreign products in China, but it won't be nearly off the scale that it was, say, six, seven, eight years or so ago. Many Australian exporters are feeling a little bit bruised by their dealings with China over the past few years. After some sharp words from Scott Morrison about the origins of COVID-19, Beijing imposed massive tariffs on a whole range of Australian goods, from barley to wine and they're only slowly unwinding those punishments now. Here's Foreign Minister Penny Wong on Sky News. We've still got a way to go, but we are seeking to have a pathway to clear that impediment, and if that works, we will work to apply that to other Australian products 
uh, probably the next one I would want to look at is wine. Any company that deals with China, whose population is 1.4 billion, will have to factor the declining birth rate into their forecasts. Jared reckons it's not panic stations yet. Bear in mind there's still a lot of people in China, so there is still that opportunity. The answer is what Australian exporters can do. I think what we learned over the pandemic with the punitive trade tariffs and restrictions is we can't put all our eggs in the China basket. We have to diversify. China isn't the easy dollar that it once was. It demands us to work harder. And by working harder, it's not only working harder in the Chinese market, but working harder to sell our products into other markets such as Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand and the broader Southeast Asian region. That's the main lesson that we've learned throughout COVID and particularly those crippling tariffs which hurt a lot of companies. Jared Lynch is a business reporter with The Australian. International students will not be penalised for revealing that they want to migrate to Australia in a move some say indicates the Albanese government wants to push the population right up. You can read that scoop and the rest of the nation's best journalism right now at theaustralian.com.au. Access a world of true crime podcasts on Crimex Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.